Greetings, heroes, and welcome to the Comic Book Book Club. This is episode 34? I always guess. This is, you know, one day I'll actually start looking beforehead, like, before we actually get started, and I'll know to say it, but not today. I was right, it was episode 34. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Lasik, and I know a lot about comic books. I'm your co-host, Kendra Forte, and I know nothing about comic books. And folks, today we are finishing up our talk on Loki, Agent of Asgard. Uh, we will be talking about issues, starting with issue 13 and going through the end of the series, which is issue 17. We'll also be taking some time to discuss uh, uh, the follow-up, sort of the where, where Loki appears next after the closing of this series. Um... Do you have any thoughts, pre-thoughts, before we launch into this? No. No. <laughs> I have a lot of post-thoughts. Right. But no, okay. Okay. Um, right. So, as soon as my computer stops freaking out and gives me my notes, we will jump into this. Uh, right. So, where we left off, uh, we had on a bit of a cliffhanger with um, our Loki new Loki, I call Merge Loki, whatever you want to call him, uh, being held at the whims of uh, old King Loki, an evil version of himself from the future. Uh, King Loki told uh, him, and by extension us, his story about how uh, uh, for a while it had been very similar to our Lokis, that he had been making an attempt to better himself and gain the respect of his peers by replacing all of the stories of his past crimes with new stories of his uh, heroic adventures. But at some point, he lost the will to do so, mostly because uh, no matter what he did, he couldn't change in the eyes of his peers. The Asgardians still knew him as the god of lies, and they referred to him as such, and they treated him as such. Um, and that is supposedly what broke King Loki. Um, and the, in a very, in a moment of very weird metaphysical story, magic, something or other, um, his, sto- his story set all, uh, new Loki on fire. And that is where we ended with issue 12 about two weeks ago. Yeah. Two weeks ago. So issue 13, it starts 3000 years ago on the planet of earth, somewhere in the Nordic territories, uh, a tribe of humans shelter from a massive thunderstorm. Um, they are all fear. They're all in fear. They are fearing the wrath of the elements as they do not know what it is or where it came from. Um, to quench that fear, um, their scald, which is the word for like poet or storyteller, uh, uh, knows of a magic to bind the gods to his bidding. Then we cut to the present where Loki is still burning. King Loki is gloating in front of him saying that he should thank him. Uh, suddenly, Loki, our Loki, finds himself elsewhere in a, 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 a metaphorical space, a void. He is faced by echoes of both Kid Loki, the one that he killed and subsumed and merged with, as well as classic Loki, um, as well as uh, Odin's two ravens and uh, his old like golden horned crown sitting on a little pedestal. Um, both the Loki remnants, um, say that they do not want to die. Uh, classic Loki says that his scheme wasn't to reincarnate as something new, but instead to come back as he was. Um, but he says that his time is now over and he is gone in the void. Kid Loki says that he was something new, but the old was deemed preferable by those around him. Um, however, although he was also taken by the void, he had died as himself, as something new, not as a copy. New Loki is now presented a choice. He can accept his role as the god of lies and become King Loki, thus fulfilling the loop. Or he can embrace the void, ceasing to be and ending the story of Loki once and for all. However, before he can decide, he gets a phone call. You know, I, you know what? I'd love to know what, what service provider he's with that he gets service in the void. That seems like a very useful thing to have. 
He says he got it from that one time, that one place. Uh, yeah. Let me see if that was like an actual reference or just like that a was an actual joke. reference. He he got it that one time from that one thing. That you know that sounds like a comic book thing. We're not gonna question it. Okay, wait. There is an editor's note. Uh, issue five. I don't remember what happened in issue five. Let's go look back in my notes and see what happened in issue five. Uh, uh, boom. It was the heist. It was the heist. Uh, so I guess at some point during the heist, it was established that he has a superphone. I guess. I don't know. Anyways, uh, where were we? <laughs> um, right. So he's faced with this choice to either embrace his old self or embrace the void but before he can decide he gets a phone call from verity his one and only friend uh uh for those of you that are tuning in for the first time or maybe you don't remember verity is uh as is a mid guardian a human that uh has the ability to see through any lie that is told to her which you know being best friend with the god of lies seems to be a pretty pretty useful ability to have um uh, uh, Verity calls because at the end of uh, our last issue, she had sort of stormed out on them and declared their friendship over. Uh, uh, she's calling to try and uh, undo that. She's making an effort to mend their relationship um, and uh, points out something that despite all this talk about how Loki can't escape his role as God of Lies, he hasn't been able to tell a lie for like four issues now. Ever since the events of Axis, he has an inability to tell lies. So what does that mean to a god of lies? She also asks him, what does the god of lies even mean? Uh, Loki then has a flashback to Odin, telling him to be worthy of his own power and to remember exactly what a lie is. With this knowledge, Loki resolves to choose neither path, and he finally realizes what a lie is in essence. Quote, a lie is a story told. With that, he denies the change presented to him. The old crown is engulfed in flames and takes on a new form as Loki decides to rewrite his own story, keeping uh, only two core tenets of his personality. One is his friendship with Verity, and the other is his brotherly love for Thor. Uh, With that, he picks up his smoking new crown and places it on his head. Back in reality... Um, the flames consume Loki's body and it explodes, um, catching King Loki in the blast. King Loki thinks that Loki had chosen to destroy himself uh, and suddenly realizes that the magical explosion had pushed him forward in time. He looks outside the window of Loki's apartment and sees, oh, another earth in the sky. Kind of funny that, like, we covered two multiverse-ending stories in a row, huh? Yeah, yeah. So this this starts this this starts this uh, 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 comics tie in with two other Marvel events that were happening in the time, those being uh, uh, time runs out, and then the sequel Secret Wars. So uh, uh, they both cover the end of the Marvel multiverse and its eventual rebirth. Um, most of this takes place uh, uh, during Time Runs Out which is, like, uh, uh, very similar to uh, Crisis on Infinite Earth, where, like, the mo- the universes are dying off one by one, but instead of, like, some other force consuming them, it's literally just, like, they crash into each other. Like, taking two m and You ever seen that post where it's, like, t- you take two M&Ms in your fingers and you crush them together? Mm-hmm. It's like that, but with planets. Um, back in the... We, we then jump, again, to 3,000 years in the past, uh, as the Skald tells the stories of the Asgardians, stories that were passed down to him through the oral tradition. Um, and that will come into importance later. Um, we then have a little epilogue. Eight months after her phone call with Loki, uh, Verity receives a knock on her door. She is visited by the new reincarnated Loki, now calling themselves the God of Stories. And just a quick note, um, at this point, I am switching over to referring to Loki with they, them pronouns, as um, they appear to be, for lack of a better term, gender fluid. They switch back and forth between male presenting and female presenting forms a lot in these last couple of issues. So just to clear up any confusion, using they, them pronouns. 
And that's the end of issue 13. Big, big turning point for this story. Um, let's jump into issue 14, yeah? Yeah. Cool. Odin has a dream. Odin has a dream in which he is called before those who sit above in shadow, who are the gods of the gods, uh, uh, who uh, Odin thought had been killed by Thor the last time he disrupted the Ragnarok cycle. Um, those who sit above in shadow tell Odin that the multiversal upheaval is a new Ragnarok, thus allowing them to return. Um, Odin then goes to the Congress of Worlds, which is like a, a council made up of representatives from the Ten Realms, to tell them of his dream um, and the threat behind it. But like, th- th- this is a this is a big uh, uh, thing in a lot of Thor comics from this time. Or just like Asgardian comics of this time, where it's like Odin and the old, as like old mythical figures, kind of bumping heads with the process, like the more democratic processes of a, a, a more uh, um, a, a cohesive coalition between the realms. Uh, so the 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 council, the council of worlds is like, okay, well we'll take this into consideration. We'll put a vote in this and that. And Odin's like, no, you are going to do what I say because I am Odin, your king. And they're like, okay old man slow your roll um so yeah he tries to warn them of what's to come but because he does it in a very loud and overbearing manner he's basically brushed off which i mean like fair you know if an old white dude came into my apartment and was like hey listen you're gonna do what i say because the world's ending i'd be like get out of my apartment how did you get in here anyways back in verity's apartment loki is admiring their new body which is very i want to say twinkish I feel like the other one was more twinkish. I didn't like this one as much. Really? Yeah. I kind of, I kind of like this one more. Maybe that's just our differing tastes in men. I don't know. Um, he's very, he's a lot more rough around the edges. Like he's more hairy, which is a weird thing to say, but he's more hair, hairy. He's like missing a tooth. Sorry, they're they're more hairy. They're missing a tooth. Um, they have this. I don't, I don't know if it's supposed to be like bruising or eyeshadow, but they have they have these dark circles under their eyes. Um, very roguish. Uh, uh, Loki explains that while they are still Loki, they're not the same Loki from before. This is a, a new chapter in Loki's story. Um, the two of them look outside to see the last incursion. Incursion being the term of when two Earths collide into each other. Um, so it ties into the last couple issues of Avengers that we're releasing at this time, which is the... Uh, uh, the last two remaining Earths in the multiverse being 616, which is the mainstream one, and 1610, which is the ultimate one. Um, so the last incursion was uh, uh, 616 colliding with 1610. And, um, like, it was this whole thing where, like, each Earth, like, decided to try and fight for their Earth. So they, like, sent all of their heroes out to fight the heroes of the other Earth. It was a whole weird crossover thing. Um... Yeah, uh, so the heroes of the mainstream and ultimate universes fight each other in this last-ditch last ditch effort to stay alive. While Verity is freaking out about this, uh, uh, Loki decides that now's a good time to hear Verity's story. You know, I, I know, I, like, I know there's a, you know, world's ending outside our window, but what's your, what's your backstory? <laughs> what's your lore? Uh, meanwhile, turmoil is growing between Asgard and the other realms. Um, Odin and Freya are conversing with Heimdall, who is the god, the watchman of the gods, able to see all. Um, and Freya says they'll need more than what they currently have to survive what's coming. Meanwhile, in Hell, one L, the Asgardian Hell, uh, Hela and Tyr are visited by King Loki, who claims to have a way to avoid being erased due to the incursions. Um... As he begins his whole salesman pitch, uh, Balder shows up to stop him. Uh, Balder's shtick is that he is impervious to almost everything in existence because his mother, when she was pregnant, went around and asked each thing to not hurt her son. (laughs) This is mythology, man. I don't know. Um, Except she forgot to talk to Mistletoe. So the one thing that can kill Balder is Mistletoe. That's stupid. (laughs) 
Anyways, he shows up all heroic and he's like, I'm going to stop you from whatever you're doing. And King Loki's like, all right, bet. And he pulls out a, a, a little sickle with a mistletoe wrapped around its blade. And he's like, uh-oh, this is bad. <laughs> um. Also, this implies that, like, I don't know, like, if you if his weakness is mistletoe, regardless, even if King Loki has, like, a mistletoe-infused blade, I would bet that Balder is still a better, like, physical fighter than King Loki. So he could easily, I feel, just not get hit by the blade. It's not like it's kryptonite where, like, it's pre- Mistletoe's mere presence kills him. Or is it? I don't know. I need to brush up on my Asgardian lore, I guess. My Norse mythology. It could also be that I'm thinking too much into this, and I should just let the writer tell a story. What am I, CinemaSins? What am I going to do, nitpick for four hours? Anyways. Um, right. Balder shows up to stop King Loki, but Loki has Mistletoe. We cut back to... Uh, Asgardia, where Freya opens a locked door in the bowels of their storerooms, the contents of which we don't see, but it makes Odin very happy. Meanwhile, the Asgardians have assembled at Heimdall's request as he sees exactly what is coming. Um, That being King Loki leading an army from hell, holding Baldur's severed head and riding on the back of Jormungandr, the world serpent, who famously... Uh, is destined to eat the world or some such. I don't remember. Um, as the Ingardians begin to feel fear, uh, Odin and Freya show up with what was hidden in that storeroom, which is lots and lots of very big earth guns. And their final fight begins. I love this sequence. <laughs> There's a lot more in the next issue, but just, like, the idea that... <laughs> it's, the, it's the idea of, like, mythical, mystical beings being, like, Oh, we gotta fight to the death. Oh, we don't. What are we gonna do? And then one just like, hey, the humans came up with this really cool thing. Have you heard about it? It's called a gun. <laughs> it's like it's like there there was a there was a, a a post that went viral, I think, on Tumblr, about like all this stuff. Like, oh, you know, vampires are 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 only whatever. They can only be killed by a stake to the heart. Like, yeah. Humans can be killed by a stake to the heart, too. And you know what? I bet a vampire hasn't seen a gun before. We don't know what a gun can do to a vampire. Have you tried it? Uh, it's What were we reading? Where that one thing could only be killed by anything it could imagine? It was, it was this. It was this. Mm-hmm. It was an early, earlier issue of this in which King Loki went back in time and was, like, messing with figures from, from uh, actual Norse mythology. And one of them was, like, Oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm impervious to anything as long as I can, like, think of a defense. So he's like, all right, bet. And he pulled out a bazooka. And yeah. Just, and just blew him up. Same energy. <laughs> Same energy. I love the energy. Um, issue 15. This cuts back and forth between uh, uh, Verity's backstory and the Asgardians doing their fighty fight. Um, we start way back in the past with Verity's father, Roger, as a child, talking with his father, Eric. Um, Eric shows Roger the casket of ancient winters, which was an important item in like Thor comics from like the eighties or something. Um, I think Eric might have also shown up in those Thor comics. So like the Willis family line or whatever is always getting involved in Asgardian whatever. Um, right. So he shows, he, uh, Eric shows Roger the casket of ancient winters. And basically, like, because of this, I have to go now. I have to go run from the Asgardians trying to kill me. Um, He also gives Roger a ring from Andvari's Horde, which is the story that we were just talking about that uh, King Loki went back and meddled with. Um, This ring uh, 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 still carries that uh, um, enchantment on it, that same enchantment that was infused in the sword Graham, that is, uh, whoever wears it can see through any lie. Um... We then cut to years later, where we see little baby Verity, who just who, who just eats the ring, because babies are awful. <laughs> this was, this was a stupid story. This was one of the worst uh, superpower origins that I could think of. Very bold, very bold of you to say that. Baby eats ring. Ring dissolves in baby's throat. Baby has power of ring. <laughs> Stupid. I mean, is it is it any better than teenager gets bit by spider, becomes spider? 
Yes, because it doesn't involve a baby. <laughs> we here at the Comic Book Book Club are anti-baby. <laughs> Anyways, so yes, Baby Verity eats the ring, which dissolves into her body, transferring the truth spell onto her. Um, we then cut back to the present, where the Asgardians are fighting off the army from hell with the help of their very big guns. It's very comedic. Odin has this whole speech where he's talking to the gun that he's holding, and he's like, ah, scream for me, show me your Midgardian magic, or whatever. Um, during the scene, we also see one of the more uh, 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 important mechanics of this fight, which is that... Um, it, th- and this is tied into, like, Asgardian mythology. Um, basically, if you die, depending on the conditions of your death, um, you either go to hell or Valhalla. So if you die in the heat of battle with like glory in your heart or wherever you go to Valhalla, but if you die while feeling fear, then you go to hell. Um, since all of hell is currently attacking Asgard, turns out that if you die and get sent to, if like all of the Asgardians that are dying here and being sent to hell because they're feeling here, fear are basically just immediately respawning on the enemy team as a zombie and forced to fight the guys they were fighting alongside a minute ago. So just a, just a little hint of, like, existential terror in the midst of all this. Um, we also see that Hela and Tyr are not particularly enjoying this. They see it as a grim necessity as uh, 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 destroying Midgard and, by extension, Asgardia basically seals off... Since all of the multiversal destruction is happening because of the Earths, by destroying the Earth realm and destroying and sealing off the rest of the eight remaining realms from it, they are sparing themselves from being destroyed. Um, which, like, I don't know about that. That comes into question by something... We'll, we'll, we're going to put a pin in this plan because it comes into question with something that shows up in, like, the last couple of issues. Um, yeah. We then see a montage of Verity growing up, constantly being aware of when people are lying to her, regardless of how, like, little or inconsequential it is. Um, we see her registering with the government after the, uh, 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 after the Civil War event, which requires all superhumans to be registered. Um, and she finds a job that lets her stay in her apartment 24-7. And this is... I really like this sequence because it's not often that we see a story about... Like, we, it's not often we see a story in, like, a universe with superheroes is just about, like, a person with powers that doesn't want to be a hero, you know? I mean, if your power sucks. Yeah, and, you know, this power kind of sucks. But it's, 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 I don't know. This is the kind of stuff that I like to think about, like, what would life be like if superpowers existed? And this gives a little hint into it. Because the whole, like, concept of Civil War is just, is about, like, oh, like, this part wants to register every superhuman with the government, and this part doesn't, and that's why they're fighting. And, like, yeah, that's well and good, but what about, like, the people that have superpowers that aren't involved in the fight, like Verity? How does it affect her life? And we get to see that, and that's, I like that. We also get to see, like, the kind of jobs that would be looking for, that would benefit from those kind of powers. So she talks to, like, uh, 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 she talks to, like, some HR firm about, like, having her fact-checking uh, uh, resumes, she talks to Ro- Robbie Robertson from the S- Spider-Man comics. That's a little little cameo. Okay. Um, Robbie works for the Daily Bugle. Ah, okay. He's like J. Jonah Jameson's second in command, and he's talking to her about having her work as a fact checker for like political pieces. Um, the job she ends up working at is uh, with a, a like statistical survey company to weed through bad data. And she picks this job because it's the only one that would let her sit in her home 24-7, which is, like, weirdly topical. <laughs> this is the, that, it's this kind of, like, because some, some stuff is very explicitly written to be topical or, like, to become topical. Um, it's stuff like this that is more jarring where, like, it's unintentionally becoming topical. I don't think it's topical more of a weird coincidence yeah just because she wants to stay in her house and we were forced to stay in our house doesn't mean it's a topical thing more that two things are happening and they're connected in any way yeah yeah that could just be me reaching um anyways we're already yeah so she ends up being able to stay in her house 24 7 um finally her mother convinces her to try out speed dating 
Hmm. Where have we seen that before? Back in Asgardia, Freya uh, decides to uh, uh, have this big hero moment. She knocks King Loki off of Jormungandr's back and sacrifices herself to kill the serpent. Um, shortly after, the other foes of Asgard from across the realms arrive to take advantage of this battle and basically help kill Asgard. Uh, <clears throat> in response, Odin summons the, and I hope I'm saying this right, the Gjallarhorn. Um, listen, if you're a listener and you're like of Nordic descent, please don't get mad at me. I'm trying my best. Uh, Odin summons the Gjallarhorn, which is, quote, the great horn that sounds but once the horn of last battle. He blows it, which releases Lorelei and Sigurd from their weird convoluted imprisonment. Um, and it, it, it transforms them into new reborn forms as heroes of Asgard. Um, we then cut back to a very brief summary of this story's events from Verity's perspective of her meeting Loki and dealing with all that. Um, and as she wraps it up, she suddenly... Resi- re- re- ooh, words. As she wraps up her story, she suddenly realizes that she has become a ghost. Her body is dead and she is but a spirit. Spooky. Uh, Loki, being the god of stories, drew her story and with it her very essence out of her body and into a little jeweled bracelet on their wrist. Um, basically to take them, take her with them into the end of the world. So Verity is like technically dead now. Great plan. Loki says they know what they're doing. I trust them. In this instance, at least. That's uh, that's issue 15. Moving on to 16. Um, We open with Volstagg falling in battle, only to find himself in Valhalla with the other fallen heroes. Um, And there's a little thing, like, I keep... (laughs) There's a character scene here that I keep forgetting exists, but every time I see him, I'm like, oh yeah, that guy. Admits so he so he ends up in in Valhalla and he like lists off all of the heroes he sees like ah it's you know Fandral the Dashing and Hogan the Grim and Bill son of Bill <laughs> because there was like one storyline a while ago I think it was like right before Siege it was during the time in which Asgardia was floating above Oklahoma or wherever. Um, and a, a random dude named Bill, son of Bill, who was, like, a friend to the Asgardians, ended up, like, sacrificing himself for them or something, so he ended up in Valhalla. So it's it's just a dude. It's just a dude wearing, like, a backwards trucker hat, and he's hanging out with all of these, like, massive beefcake heroes, and he's like, yeah, it's me, Bill, son of Bill, you know, the guy. <laughs> I don't know. I just love, I love normal guy in not normal scenarios. You know what I, I love, mean? I love the, that's just a dude situation. <laughs> My favorite character design is that's just a dude. Uh, right. So, Volstagg and the other dead heroes are in Valhalla. They begin their feast. Um, however, since Odin blew the Gjallarhorn, which signals the coming of Ragnarok, um, Freya, who's also there, uh, throws open the doors of Valhalla and the warriors within, joined by Sigurd and Lorelei, who had been waiting outside, uh, head out to rejoin the battle. And there's a cute little moment where <laughs> Sigurd gives Freya a pair of sunglasses and just like, put these on. <laughs> you look so cool. Just put these on. Stupid. <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, meanwhile, Loki explains to an angry Verity why they killed her body and put her soul in a magic bracelet, which is basically because... Uh, they wanted a friend after the world ends. How would... Okay. I gotta ask. If... If I came to you one day and it was like... Do not ask me how I would feel (laughs) if you killed me. This is not that type of show. We have not the time nor the energy for that conversation. Would you be mad? Would you be mad at me? We have not the time nor the energy for this conversation. If it was the only way to ensure that you survived, would you be mad at me? Yes or no? Would you be mad? No. (laughs) Okay, cool. I'll file that away for later. <laughs> okay. Um, Loki also mentions that their memory has been kind of fuzzy uh, and how it is a form of camouflage uh, to protect them against an enemy who knows their story as well as their own. 
I wonder what enemy that could be. Anyways, unrelated, King Loki's around. <laughs> it's King. It's King Loki. That's the joke. The joke is that the enemy is King. No, Loki. no, no. I got that part. Okay, cool. I, yeah, I was just saying to the audience. Yeah. I think they got that part as well. Okay, okay. I was just making sure. I just want to make sure. Anyways, meanwhile, King Loki picks up Freya's staff from where she had fallen and claims it as his own, using it to blast away Sif and Hogan, leaving only Odin and the Enchantress as the last standing as guardians. It's at this point that new Loki shows up, taking the staff from King Loki, and starts talking about the difference that has been made. Some, whatever change it is, the, the quote, big change that means they'll never become him, him being King Loki. Um, that change being that Loki has matured to a point where they no longer crave the love and acceptance of their fellow Asgardians. Big, big character growth. Um... This enrages King Loki, who declares that he won't let new Loki have a happy ending. Um, But before he can do anything on that threat, the heroes from Valhalla show up, backed by more of their allies from across the realms, um, including my boy, Beta Ray Bill, a.k.a. Beta Ray Thor, a.k.a. Mr. Horseface himself. Do you know about this guy? No. Okay. So he is a, a Corbinite from the planet Corbin. We're going to go... Okay, this is a, this is a tangent, but I want to talk about Beta Ray Bill because I love him. He's a Corbinite, um, uh, uh, and uh, you'll be surprised to know that, like, his race does not actually look like that. They don't actually look like horses. They just look like normal dudes, but with, like, yellow skin. And he only looks like a horse because he's, like, a genetically modified super soldier, basically. Um, that turns you into a horse? Yeah. Well, it gives you a horse face, apparently. It's like cybernetics or something. Anyways. You know what would help me in battle? Having a horse face. <laughs> Being able to bite better. <clears throat> Anyways, um, Thor encountered him during some storyline where he was out traveling the stars. Um, and uh, Bill was able to pick up and wield Mjolnir. Um, and Thor was like, dang, that's really cool. Hey, Odin, check this out. He could pick up Mjolnir. And Odin was like, dang, that's pretty cool. Do you want your own hammer? And Bill was like, yeah, sure. And Odin was like, all right, bet, and gave him his own magical hammer. Does he just have a collection somewhere? Um, unclear. Because, like, this isn't, this isn't the only time that Odin has just been like, hey, you could pick up Mjolnir. Do you want a hammer of your own? All right, bet. Yeah, Here's he's, a he's got a secret stash of hammers somewhere. It's also happened with a dude named Eric Masters, a.k.a. Thunderstrike. Yeah, he's he got him at a clearance sale somewhere. Anyways. Was like... <laughs> Okay, so this, so uh, another um, facet of his powers is that using his magical hammer, he can like switch back and forth between his natural form and his like super soldier form. Um, and this is important because apparently part of the cybernetic enhancement is that he doesn't have genitalia anymore. So there was <laughs> like last year. There was a there was a miniseries starring Beta Ray Bill where like his hammer had been destroyed and at that point he had been uh, uh romantically involved with Lady Sif and he's like I can't you know I can't I don't know how much I can say on the radio but his main motivation was because I don't have my hammer and I'm stuck in like horse form I can't satisfy my girlfriend so I'm going to go on this galaxy-spanning quest to get a new magic weapon so that I can transform back into my normal state, get my junk back, and satisfy my girl. How does that... How does that what do you think of that storyline? Do you think that's a comic we should cover? I have not been happy with anything that I've learned this past half hour. <laughs> okay. I just, listen, I just needed to make it known. The series actually gets a lot more introspective, and, like, obviously the the reasons for wanting to get out of your souped-up horse form is more so than just not having any dangly bits. I'm obviously simplifying for comedic effect, but, like, that is definitely a part of his motivation that they do directly address in this series. Anyways, so he shows up, um, along with uh, 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 Carnilla, Queen of the Norns, and Aydun, and uh, Queen of the Vanir, um... And this coalition of backup is so spooky that King Loki gets afraid and flees into the void. Um, what, what follows is a like momentary lull in the battle. Whereas, just you know, your, your big face-off moment where it's like the, 
a big snowy field and the werewolves on one, are on one side and the vampires are on the other. That's right. I referenced Twilight. Um, so they have this big fa- face-off moment. Um, yeah? I don't even think you referenced it correctly. Probably not. <laughs> I definitely didn't, but I referenced it. So that counts for something, doesn't it? Now I could put now I could put Twilight in the description of this for <laughs> for social media recognition. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, both sides, uh, the quote unquote good guys and the quote unquote bad guys, try to convince Loki to join them, um, but Loki declares that they're quote not playing anymore and leaves to start and leaves as the fighting starts anew and our Earth crashes into another in the background. Uh, the camera then kind of zooms out and reveals that the narrator this whole time was Loki themselves, and they were doing to the gods what they had done to Verity, which is telling their story and condensing it into like a little ball to preserve them across the end of the universe. Uh, Loki and Verity are now in this white void as all realities have ended. Oops. <laughs> Oops, no realities. Um, as Verity you know, grapples with the fact that everyone she knows is permanently gone. Uh, those that sit above in shadow appear before them. And that's the end of issue 16. Uh, how many? We got... Oh, we've got one more issue. Let's jump into this. Into the finale. Issue 17. Another great cover, by the way. It's Loki sitting in the void, surrounded by like the physical comic books from this run. I love it. <laughs> um, right. So those that sit above in shadow explain that uh, uh, they feed on the stories of the gods um, and they have come to reap Loki's harvest since he has uh, so kindly condensed their story into a little orb for them. Um, Loki instead starts to tell a different story. Um, Loki takes us back to the Nordic Bronze Age, which we had been cutting to um, a couple issues ago, where a clan is, again, sheltering from a storm. Um, Loki vocalizes how scary it must have been to experience this kind of stuff, not knowing, like, where it is, or where it comes from, or what it is, exactly. Um, Within that shelter, um, the clan's scald, again, begins to weave the strongest of magics, a story. Loki posits to those that sit above in shadow that uh, it was not the gods visiting Earth that started these stories amongst the humans, but instead the stories, the stories themselves becoming, quote, so good, so powerful, so wanted that the universe believes them, so good they're magic, so good they come alive. Therefore, if the mortals created the gods by telling stories when they were afraid, what kind of stories would the gods have told when they were afraid? The gods must have, in their own stories, of their fear involving Ragnarok, created those that sit above in shadow. So it, it wasn't that uh, uh, those that sit above in shadow created the gods, created the mortals, but instead the humans, through the magic of stories, created the gods, and the gods, again, harnessing that magic of stories, albeit unintentionally, created those that sit above in shadows, which fully shifts the power balance between this little twink and these giant shadowy beings um, which spooks them so much so that those that sit above in shadow fully retreat uh, leaving Loki and Verity alone again except they're not alone there's someone else in the void it's King Loki our favorite crusty old man (laughs) the walking representation of dried leather uh, King Loki's all being all sad and grumpy and whatever. Uh, Loki begins to talk to him and pulls off his mask, which is really just like his face because, I don't know, gods. <laughs> um, revealing that underneath this crusty exterior, uh, uh, it had just been Loki all along. Despite the fact that he was all old and evil, he's still Loki. Um, old new Loki, not new new Loki. I call. This is really confusing. You should just say I call. Yeah. Um, King Loki's main motivation was that he wasn't able to trick himself into becoming a hero. He wasn't able to trick those around him into believing he was a hero. 
Um, uh, 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 so to change his own, he wasn't able to trick himself or change his own story, which is what led him to coming back into the past and, and meddling with his younger self. Um, but in doing so that he managed to do exactly what he said he wasn't able to do. Our Icol only became the God of stories, this new, new Loki because of King Loki's meddling. Um, with that, Loki forgives King Loki um, and basically puts him into their scepter to bring him with them as sort of a cautionary tale of a Loki that could be. Um, which is, I think, a very sweet moment, you know? I, I, I really like stories in which the villain is forgiven. It's very nice. It's nice to see a happy ending because those don't really happen in real life. Um, Loki then tells Verity that this isn't the end. Secret Wars is happening, which is like a whole thing with Battle World and Doom becoming a god and whatever. Um, and the Silver Surfer is out there, also in the void doing something, but Loki decides they need a break. They decide to, quote, skip ahead a bit and see what comes next after all this turmoil has ended. So, they pull out a marker, they draw a door just in the air with a label next on it, and they step through. And that is the end of Loki, Agent of Asgard. Do you have any burning thoughts to discuss? I, I really, listen, I love this. I love this series so much. I love the way it, it, it takes the time to discuss, like, what a story is and the power of stories. And it, like, fully, it fully redefines, like, the relationship between gods and mortals both like in this fictional universe and in a way like it, it when i first read this it like changed my perspective of how like the concept of god's work you know what i mean um which is like i think the strongest thing a story can do is change the way you think uh <laughs> i also loved what it did to loki um because this was this was in, like, 2014, 2015, so post-MCU, when Loki was the Tumblr sexy man of the hour, um, this did a lot of work to try and redeem him, to turn him into a, a hero, a likable character. Um, the sad thing is that, that this didn't really last that long? This is No, I was, I was reading your follow-ups, and I was like, this didn't stick. This was terrible. Yeah. Uh, uh, the next time Loki would appear, and we're going to, I have a whole list in my notes that we're going to go through, but like, this is basically the most complex Loki has been since. And the next time that they appeared, they're back in their like pre void I call appearance and not in this, I would say, more interesting appearance. <clears throat> um, do you want to jump into follow ups or do you have any, any, any thoughts to give right now? I I liked it at the beginning. I mm. did. I did. Then less so. Right. But then it looped back around in the last issue. Yeah. What didn't you like? What 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 lost you? Now I have to go back to see <laughs> what I was re- referencing cuz I I remember feeling like I didn't like it. Right. But I have no idea what made me think that. Uh while she's doing that, listeners, if you want to tell us what, what you thought about it, um, maybe we'll read it out on the air. Um, we are on social media. We're on Twitter specifically. I don't know why I said We're only on Twitter. We're on Twitter at CBBCPod. That's at CBBCPOD. Or you can reach out to us via email at CBBCPod at gmail.com. Um, did you find what you were thinking about? I didn't like that people were mad at Loki because uh, he killed Kid Loki. Right. Uh, and then some of like what we talked about in these issues made me mad. I have to, it's gone. It's like <laughs> completely gone from my head, but it looped back around. That's the important thing. Yeah. This, this last, like basically everything post once they enter the void, I think is like it, this, it ends so strongly. Like everything post void is like masterful. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, let's talk about Loki's next appearances. Uh, 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 this was still during the era where uh, uh, Jane Foster was operating as Thor. Um, so Loki would next make his appearance in Mighty Thor Volume 3, which was um, after the Secret Wars relaunch. Um, Loki seemingly returns to his villainous roots in this story, but it turns out it was like all a ploy to like make to to make Loki sort of an inside agent to the the big bad guy of that story arc, that being Malekith. Um, then there's Vote Loki, which was a weird miniseries that released in 2016, and we all know what happened in 2016 that involved voting. Um, Loki runs for president and like almost gets it, but it turns out that. Uh, like he was actually hired by one of the two actual presidential candidates to swing the election in his favor by like just basically polluting the polls. Um, and it, you know, it turns him into, it's, it's the most villainous that he, is, that he has been since this series. And honestly, the cannot, the, whether or not it's canon is definitely in question, at least in my opinion. Um, because like, why would Loki care about, Midgardian money. Why would he do all of this to to it? Whatever. It's just it's it was obviously something to like capitalize on the 2016 election, and like I don't know. They referenced it in the Loki TV show, which was cool. They had uh, yeah yeah. It's a very iconic like cover and outfit for him. Um, the next important Loki appearance would be in the uh, 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 twin stories of Infinity Quest and Infinity Wars which involves the Infinity Stones. Um, basically, a lot of people were trying to collect the Infinity Stones, Loki being one of them, but uh, Gamora from Guardians of the Galaxy gets them instead um, and kind of, like, does some pretty shady villainous stuff with them, so Loki puts together a team to wrest them from her. Um, that, is th- that, that is a very interesting story. Um, Infinity Quest and Infinity Wars... Uh, 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 mostly because, like, once Gamora gets the stones, she, like, temporarily folds the universe in on itself um, and creates... Like, like, basically, like, every individual in the Marvel Universe gets merged with another individual. Um, so, like, you, you were working on Hot Topic. I'm sure you saw the Funko Pops for, like, Infinity Warps, and it was, like, yes. Iraq Knight and so- Soldier Supreme and yes. Iron Hammer. So those are all from this... Hated inf- those as well. <laughs> I Listen, you know me. I'm a sucker for alternate universe stories. I ate that up when it came out. But it was weird. Um, Loki appeared in a story arc in Doctor Strange in which he uh, uh, wrested the title of Sorcerer Supreme from Steven for a while. Um, But it all turned out to be a ploy to make Strange be a better Sorcerer Supreme. So he was still a good guy, technically. Um, He appears for a little bit at the beginning of Avengers Volume 8, which is the most recent Avengers title, which has been very uh, 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 contentious within the fan community over whether or not it's a good run. Um, But he showed up for, like, the first story arc and did some meddling involving the Celestials to try and kill the Earth, which is, you know, pretty villainous of him. Um... And then the, the, his next big appearance would be during the War of the Realms event, which was a big crossover, and um, Loki Volume 3, which was his next solo miniseries. Um, and that, his appearances in those two are the closest he has gotten to this appearance, his Agent of Asgard appearance. Um, during War of the Realms, Loki helps out in a major way and ends up actually killing his biological father, father Laufey, King of the Frost Giants. Um, so he basically inherits the role of being the King of Jotunheim. Um, and during his miniseries, which was a a sort of follow-up to the events of War of the Realms, um, Loki visits the Hall of Heroes and makes a deal with Now and Then, like, which are a pair of characters, Now and Then, um, to basically add more stories to his book, quote-unquote, um, with the deal that, like, being a hero means eventually dying a hero's death. Um, and he, again, changes his title from God of Stories to God of Outcasts. Um, so that's where he, has now, where he is now being King of Jotunheim and God of Outcasts. He appears here and there um, in the uh, most recent Thor run, uh, uh, which involves Thor being God of Asgard, or King of Asgard. Um, 
and he helps out there like he's a he's a hero but now it's it's uh, uh the, the, the 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 dynamic between the two of them have changed again where now they're both uh kings of their own realm so they have less time to go on adventures and be mischievous and stuff they're like we have to be mature now i don't want that <laughs> yeah um there's a whole thing uh, uh uh you know spoilers for like the the most recent story arc but there was a, a a have you ever heard of um donald blake have you ever heard that name so it was it was thor's like quote-unquote secret identity for a while oh mm-hmm. where he would like hit the ground with his hammer and become donald blake um and eventually it was retconned that like donald blake was a fake person created magically by odin to teach thor humility um and whenever thor was being thor and not donald blake blake was in like this like pocket mm-hmm. dimension basically um and since thor hadn't been blake in decades blake had gone insane and like basically escaped this pocket dimension and decided to kill everyone uh so that was a whole fun little storyline and it basically ended with blake being defeated and loki uh, uh passing on the role of god of lies to blake um and also the punishment that came with that which was like which is a very classic punishment from norse mythology which involved loki being like tied up underneath the fangs of a serpent which was like constantly dripping venom into his eyes Mm -hmm. um so i think the last time we see loki is him doing that to blake who is now the new god of lies um yeah that's loki i i am so excited that i got to cover this run this entire run on the on the podcast this is like probably my favorite thor related story um next time what are we doing next time next time we are covering. Uh, uh, I need to double check something. Uh, we're covering a a Suicide Squad run. Um, I want to pull up the exact volume number. Um, ba, ba, ba. We are covering Suicide Squad Volume Six. Uh, uh, also known as uh, Suicide Squad Bad Blood, I believe. Um, or Suicide Squad by Tom Taylor, um, which ran for 11 issues and uh, uh, introduces a whole bunch of new characters for the most part um, and has a really intriguing story. Um, So, uh, uh, yeah. Look out for that next time. Um, I'm pretty sure it's volume six... Okay, so the Wikipedia article is calling it Volume 6, but also the uh, reference tags are all for Volume 8. So It's one of those. You'll find it. Yeah, I'll have the exact reference details in like the text description for this uh, uh, episode if you want to read along with us. So yeah, look out for that next week. Um, or in two weeks, sorry. Next week we'll be doing a news episode because we, we have a lot of news to talk about. Um, so next week news, two weeks, Suicide Squad by Tom Taylor. Um, I have been your host, Matt Lasick. I have been your co-host, Kendra Forte. And until next time, Excelsior! <laughs>